This time on TNT. I was in a fender bender, buds. We come up with a new slogan for Giant Tiger. And we say goodbye to an old friend. It's all coming up right now on TNT. Right? What a bummer. It's such a bummer. And actually, it's been a little while since we've, you know, we had a, we actually recorded a pod. It didn't work out. So we're just doing another one because it's fresh. And uh, it's given us some time to, I guess, live with the passing of Gord for a while now. I love uh, Greg Keeler from Blue Rodeo said, guys like Gord never die. You just don't see them around as much. And that's been bouncing around my brain ever since I heard it because that's the most beautiful way to think about it. Yeah, for sure. Because he always felt like, I don't know, just like a great representative of of humans. And uh, his music was incredible and it was just always one of those things that that you would either hear or just come on somewhere or growing up. And uh, I think that'll continue for for a long time. So, little crusty, does, little ornery. Yeah, by all accounts, and a lot of it had to do with um, his uh, uh, desire for his music to be precise in a very certain way. Like he, you hear about him throwing out fifty thousand copies of a record because there was a fingernail buzz on a note, or being at an event mm-hmm. where people covered his song and him saying afterwards, like that was good. Uh, could have stand to hear it like just a little bit faster. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't afraid well, I mean, to uh, call it how he saw it. And just uh, just the, the the classic memories that that uh, he created, and just the, like he said, the the way that he was. That there was so many things. Like obviously, we didn't just use Gord because it's just a name that you hear. I mean, he is a character, and that's why. We, we we used him so much because it's like it's so believable to to see him kind of like looking at stuff with you know the tongue in cheek meant you know approach and just kind of being very uh, uh kind of harsh sometimes about stuff like obviously remember like when you met him yeah like that that's a classic story i don't know if enough people have heard that one it's probably a good time to to refresh people on your encounter with Gord. Yeah, I was obviously always kind of vaguely aware of him in an AM radio, rainy day people kind of way. Um, yeah. But I, I kind of fell in love with him when I was working as a writer on the Juno Awards, and it was the year that uh, Bruce Coburn was being inducted into the Juno's Hall of Fame. And they decided that David Suzuki would speak to Bruce's environmentalism and... Gord would speak to his musicianship. And uh, um, as you know, uh, Coburn's musicianship is beloved the world over, and he's a guitar player's guitar player. And so these things are, these tributes are kind of flowery and uh, verbose, like once in a generation a talent comes along that makes the world stop in its tracks kind of thing. So Mm. 
The good thing about working at CBC is I had access to the archives there. And imagine typing in Lightfoot into the CBC archives, all the things that would come up. He was on a a show called like Butternut Square or something in the 50s. He was like a, a country and Western dancer, like... Uh, yeah, like this land is made for you and me, like that kind of like <laughs> uh, hoedown, uh, square dancing yeah. kind of stuff. But there was a performance that he did on the Junos, I think in like '96, and he performed "If You Could Read My Mind," and there was a, a like a fake forest backdrop behind him. And so I would stay late at night at the office and watch all this footage, and I really, really got into him. Yeah, and I was probably at that that Junos. You probably were. Yeah, I was, I think. Was that the great switcheroo? Imagine no, if that was the same show. No, yeah, no way. I don't think so. Um, great switcheroo, buds, by the way, for those that don't remember, is when OLP rehearsed one song, and then as soon as it was live, played another one on the show, which might be the most rock and roll thing I've ever heard in my <laughs> yeah. life. A so- like, the balls. A song, that was, a song that was brand new and no one had heard. The balls and on you. Never even came out. Yeah, stupid move, though, to be well, honest. You know what? That, I, that was it. That was it. You were never invited real. back? No, and then, like, just kind of, that's why you don't really see the thing. Still probably pissed off to the point of not giving us the Hall of Fame nod, which is, like, oh, at wow. this point, kind of ridiculous, right? Because it's like, how many bands now that are starting to get in there? When we already sold more records than everybody in the 90s. It's like, come on. It's because of Like Soul Decisions in there and B44 and you guys aren't? (laughs) No. No, but just like uh, most of the great 90s bands are in already. Like the the Hip and the Bare Naked Ladies. There's a lot of them. So it's just pretty funny that there's the holdout that that might Hold be up. the most ballsy thing i've ever heard of and i can just imagine having been on the other side of the camera like the language in the truck and the panic that would set in as they're like what are they doing that's not the lyric where are they going what that's supposed to be camera three he, why is he not singing yeah. like that must have wreaked havoc. oh i know for sure it's a terrible thing to do but also pretty baller let's face it that's pretty rock and roll man it was, but it's, yeah. I mean, I don't think it was a good idea looking back. <laughs> Whose idea was it? Do you remember? Because I, th- I think it was like kind of, I- I'm sure Rain had a big part of it. <laughs> but but at the same time, I remember, I think we were in the studio and Bob Bob Rock, I got to give him some of the Blame juice too, credit. because he was, talk- he was talking about how Elvis Costello did it and how cool it was. On, oh uh, wow snl or joe jackson or somebody did it on snl and it was like oh man that was a bad idea and they got banned for life right so like joe jackson was supposed to do stepping out and he switched well, it out for i, I, I can't remember it was one, yeah i think it was two <laughs> i think it's elvis costello but yeah it's like totally everybody's all the cameras are all like oh man, what am i supposed to do but yeah because you do the stupid run throughs a hundred times and every when you're practicing it and the guys are doing this like big zoom ins, right? The big moves. Yeah, that they we're gonna have, start on a right? shot of Jeremy and we're gonna pull <laughs> the, out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, here it comes. When you play and a song that starts with acoustic and, guitar. Like if, what? If they screw it up, like they gotta do it like we had to stop and they gotta play play that section again so they can get the guy that's coming in from way up. Bongo. Top or whatever. 
Bongo's a legendary handheld camera operator. He did all those big award shows, man. You guys played with Bongo. I'm sure. And then there's like the the guy, the Bongo's time like, man, they're like, get guys. out of my face, man. Like get the push when they're like right in you. They're moving yeah. around. And, oh, like because like it's one thing to be choreographed band and you know what's going on. But when you're not and you just do whatever you you feel and then these guys are coming right in on you when you're wanting to go like out to the stage. I'm imagining like it's always probably hell. Um, trying to play and some guy coming in all close like the world juniors with that mask and the white suit like the sperm yeah. with the camera on the ice so he was invisible yeah yeah exactly. you go to the box and you're all mad and some guys all up in your baba ganoush or well or some guys are coming in like on the drums to the point where they're like uh, over my floor tom and it's like dude i gotta get where right. you are like right now or else like i i gotta change something like come on also <laughs> it can you be wanna... on cbc <laughs> oh yeah big drumsticks coming right into the camera <laughs> yeah but some masks embrace that and like find the lens i remember uh on that same juno's and we'll get back to gordon in a second but there was a performer named lara fabien who's from oh uh, from Montreal, but like huge in Belgium, like one of those <laughs> yeah, international sure. stars, but we've never heard of her. She could turn to a camera 500 yards away in the upper <laughs> bowl with both her way, eyes yeah. and look right down the lens. And it was so seductive and sultry. Like that's a gift to do that and sell it. <laughs> Just reaching out across the room. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm watching Gord late at night and that performance in 96 uh, of if you could read my mind, it occurred to me watching it. He's performed this song thousands and thousands of times, but somehow when he sang the lyrics, the feeling's gone, and I just can't get it back. Like, how can the feeling still be gone after singing it that many times? How can you still not get it back? It it meant as much in this performance all those years later as it did probably when he wrote it and started performing it. So yeah. that's where he had me. So uh, rehearsal day comes, and he was rehearsing at a different time as Suzuki, who's also notoriously a little prickly, who called me an <laughs> asshole on live television. <laughs> um, so I was lucky to not have to deal with both the maps at the same time. Oh, my God. But when so Gord came they, in... Were they, sorry, were, they were sharing the teleprompter with lines, yeah, right? Yeah. So, and he was... And Gore, okay, so yeah. So perfect. Suzuki's like, you know, Bruce did this for the environment, and he did this, and then Gord's like, but also as a musician, he did this. So Gord comes in, and I was the only writer close by, and I was like a teenage girl smitten. Like, holy cow, there he is, and he's as Gordish as you would imagine. <laughs> he's just Gordish. But he's also notoriously a little bashful and comfortable with his guitar, but maybe not comfortable public speaking. Like, that's not really his scene. So yeah. he gets halfway into like, you know, in the 1960s, the young Bruce Coburn took artistry to a next level with his finger-picking master. Light. And he stops and goes, why am I saying all this? Suzuki should be saying some of this. So I'm like, here's my chance. I'm going to talk to Gordon. <laughs> Did he say Suzuki? Into the mic. Of- yeah, Suzuki should be saying this. Why am I have to say all this? That's, that's the best part. By the way, like, into the mic, and like in Cobb's Coliseum, it's reverberating around an empty rank. Like, why am I saying all this garbage? Suzuki should get to bear the brunt of it. So I'm like, here's my chance. I sidle up to him. 
<laughs> and say, Mr. Lightfoot, my name's Jonathan. I'm one of the writers on the show. Uh, I guess we <clears throat> felt that you should speak to his musicianship and Suzuki should speak. And he goes, bullshit. <laughs> and that was the only thing he said to me. Um, and I kind of retreated, <coughs> delighted with this diary entry, but also uh, a little felt like I had my knuckles wrapped. So the legend of Gord grew in my head. And then not long after that, Rick Mercer left 22 minutes and I was filling in on this hour has 22 minutes and Gord was in the hospital. And so I wrote a sketch. Colin Mockery was on the desk and I played Gord in a hospital bed and re-lyriced all his songs. So Colin's like, "Uh, Mr. Lightfoot joins us now from the hospital. What's going on? And I was like, the ambulance came about 7 a.m. When I woke up experiencing gut-wrenching pain. Re-lyriced all of his songs like, the medical people still don't really know what was wrong with me. It only ever aired once because Gord was a little more 50-50 than they'd been letting on in the media, and the family sent a cease and desist letter to CBC saying you shouldn't be making fun of a national icon who's actually really sick. Had no idea. Supposed to be loving tribute. Um, oh. So they pulled that episode, and it only ever aired <laughs> once. No. But then, That's... I also, by the way, in that episode, did a Lyndon McIntyre impression. And when his wife, you remember Lyndon McIntyre from the Fifth Estate? Yeah. A no-legged hurdler. A bungled burgle. <laughs> Milk that curdles, and a Saskatchewan night that they'll never forget. And it only aired once. His wife, Carol Off, was a host on CBC Radio, and she interviewed me years later and was like, I woke up in the middle of the night, and there was a rerun of 22 on, and you were doing a Lyndon McIntyre impression, but I could never find it again. That's because it was in the Gord episode that the Lightfoot family told CBC to take off the air. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> they, should, they, they should have just added it out, the... The hospital bed piece. Yeah. And I guess in <laughs> retrospect, it was sort of in poor taste, but I, I often think of Stephen Page when he came to <clears throat> George's with yeah. our uh, book launch sort of party. And I think mm-hmm. he was a little reluctant before he got there, like wasn't sure if we were making fun or paying loving tribute. And then when he met us, it was like, oh, obviously these guys, you'd known them much better before. But when yeah. he met me, it was like, okay, he's not making fun of me at all. He adores me. And yeah. it, it's kind of the same with Gord. Like, you can't do a good Gord or a Steven impression unless you've listened to those songs thousands of times and studied them and lived them. Um, mm-hmm. So that was always, yeah, no. always my thing with Gord. I genuinely loved his music. And the first draft of uh, um, the score was actually a sweet little love ballad about friendship between Gordon and Bernie. And you told me Bernie was with him at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there uh, was a, uh, somebody reported that, that I guess that they, they were close. Gord and Bernie were together shortly before he passed away. And uh, he's, I believe the words were, we had a good run to Aww. burn. So that's pretty, you know, and, 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 you know, that was the other thing by us just kind of realizing that that connection had to be real, just that they were so close and yeah. they were right. Just the fact that that was, they were, they had this connection the whole time. And that's the best part for sure. Those, there were phone calls that were like, Hey, I got this idea about a tour or, Hey, this guy's bugging me about this or just classic decades long 
information, right? Like just imagine the the back and forth of of Gordon Byrne it's over also the decades. Important to note that um, in Canada, Gord is known for his unique voice and you know reflecting our experience back to us and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. on the international scene, he was revered as a songwriter everywhere. Yeah, like sort of a pop culture punchline in some circles in Canada, but he was no joke, let's be clear. Not at all. No, I think he was the depth and his originality um were yeah, not not it's not unlike Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. And I guess he was probably one of the front runners of that uh folk really kind of uh, introspective lyrics and uh just being your own your own style that that was his biggest contribution i think was just the fact that he was so uh different and um just his voice and and his demeanor and it it was just his own thing and uh, that 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 over everything i don't know i think canada must be a a great thing a great place in terms of just being able to identify as yourself. And I'm hoping that that's, people should realize that more and more in, in especially the way uh, that I, you know, uh, that I see with my kids' schools, like the inclusivity and the way they talk about um, identity and just being who you are. Um, I think Gord was just that kind of impact was just the, uh, the, 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 he didn't give a crap about anything and just no. uh, was always himself, you know, never listened to, I'm sure he probably had some stupid advice along the way that he was just like, get lost. And that's, uh, again, to have Bernie along that whole business side, um, again, it, it, it's just a beautiful relationship. Um, he he was such a prolific songwriter too and i was trying to think of like if i had to pick one favorite gourd song and i guess ultimately it's probably if you could read my mind because that's the one that doesn't matter where i am will punch me in the feelings but you start going down that wormhole like uh um rainy day people is a banger and summer side of life but the most covered gourd song was probably Sundown for sure, right? Yeah, I figured that's yeah. what you would say. Um, and any any cover of it I've heard still lands hard. It just has a spag a swagger and spirit to it, man. It's spooky. It's a great jam, and I also had the great late who just passed away recently, Jim Gordon. You know, one of my favorite drummers on Sundown, and. Uh, there's a lot of great reasons to love that song, but when you know it's coming, coming, because normally when you hear Gordon Lightfoot, you think him and a guitar and kind of in the background musicians that are just kind of quietish and kind of hiding, but hiding out in a sense. Whereas Sundown is kind of the opposite in terms of the that drum track is just in your face. And it's amazing. Yeah, and it kind of pulls it all together, doesn't it? I also remember it hearing as a kid, 
I can see you're leaning back in a satin dress in a room where you're doing what yeah. you don't confess. Like, what does that mean? That yeah, sounds I think it was recorded. intriguing. At, I believe it was recorded at Manta Sound, which was right where I had a my first loft where I moved into in like 97 or 8. It, right at Richmond and Sherburne. There's a Manta Sound. Great little studio that's obviously what turned into a condo. That's where it was uh, recorded? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong, but I think I, I remember hearing about that. There was also... <clears throat> that- um. Wasn't there a crossover with Belushi and Gord? Like, wasn't Kathy Smith the nurse? Wasn't she Gord's girlfriend for a while? What, like the nurse that found the, yeah. found Belushi dead? Yeah. Really? Probably. Yeah, I think that, she that was sounds... married. Wow. Married to Gord. And in fact, There's I feel some... like Sundown was sort of about her. Yeah, there could be. There's a lot of lore. Remember that email we got years ago about the guy that said his mom or dad knew Gord when he was at uh, oh yeah seventies around monster. that time, and uh, saw so, him at a gym or some some relations with someone at a gym or something. <laughs> <laughs> he was a noble <laughs> birdsman <laughs> of legendary proportions. Um, Kathy Smith who admitted to killing John Belushi, was a woman of mystery. She was involved with the Canadian balladeer. Um, yeah, that is her. She was at the Chateau Marmont and found Belushi and I think maybe administered the um, drugs that killed him. But she uh, was most famously involved. She had an intense, tumultuous relationship with the Canadian balladeer in the 70s. Kathy was a great lady, Mr. Lightfoot said. Men were drawn to her, and she used to make me jealous. But I don't have a bad thing to say about her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think Gordon. his friend was hanging around trying to get things going with Kathy, and that's Tangled. where Sundown came from. Tangled in the Hollywood Babylon. And Gordon, uh, uh, Dylan had a weird rivalry slash respectful friendship didn't they well i think i think that's it's even more like you know like if you were to be like hey, you cop try to copy me bob and like i really feel like you'd be like stay in your lane like i think that's what happened <laughs> stay more in of like, your lane. Bob, <laughs> like i think bob tried to cop gord's whole deal and i, I like changing his songwriting and like just was enamored with it. And it probably maybe creeped Cord out in a sense or pissed him off, right? Like, what do you need? What do you need to be stealing my scene, man? Like, get lost. Wait, so you think Dylan's singing <laughs> is sort of because he was trying to do a Gord? I'm not saying originally, but I'm saying he, he he affected when Dylan heard Gordon Lightfoot and got into him. He got into him so much that it changed, like he changed his style, you know. And and uh, I'm sure that probably maybe pissed him off. Wow. I don't know, because it's like, come on, man, what are you doing? You're one of the great of greatest of all time, one of the most popular in the world, if not the most popular. And what do you? What do you got to grab my scene for? Mm. <laughs> Bitter Green, Don Quixote, um, uh, a Song for a Winter's Night. I like Daylight Katie from his 80s album. Remember he did a, a song with Anne Murray? 
Yeah. In my time. The, in my the railroad trilogy. Carefree Highway. That's a good one. Carefree Highway. There's so, there's so many good jams. Oh, Zim. Oh, Zim. Do you know what's cute? It, it's cute how many people reached out to us when he Yeah, passed. for sure. And my yeah. girls, like, for the next couple of days, were like, are you okay, Daddy? I know this was a, oh, yeah. a big deal for you. And I think they were kind of checking in to see if I would break down. <laughs> yeah, But I, no, I saw a lot of people sure. using language like this was a tragedy and how devastating. I think when a child uh, dies or has to deal with a painful illness, I think that's a tragedy. I think when someone who lived hard and lived exactly the way he wanted to in his mid-80s dies, it's sad. But it's not a tragedy. No, not a tragedy. Yeah. I mean, uh, that that uh, not at all. Especially the way, um, you know, he's had a couple scares recently, a few scares recently, health wise. So, um, yeah, not a tragedy, but definitely sad. It's gone down the curve that way, but I don't care if someone lives till they're one hundred and fifty. Like it's still. A sad time. Of course. Gone. And there's, yeah. there are a couple of things I would like to uh, point out about him, despite his notorious pricklyishness. When we saw him, he had at least three of his wives with him. Like, yeah. obviously maintained friendships with people after the mm-hmm. marriages had sort of imploded. That says a lot about yep. him. His band was also people that had played with him for five decades or more. Yeah. And that's loyalty. And uh, he was obviously, he looked after them. As we know, they took the jet. They didn't take the bus. Um, So that says a lot about him, too. Yeah, for sure. He he took the jet. They took the bus. I remember that's what he said on the stage. Did the band take the bus? I thought that's what he said, didn't he? Oh, I don't. I didn't know and if it was just... the band or the crew. <laughs> oh, the crew. That's right. I think the yeah, crew takes the right. bus, the band takes the plane, because that's just how it is. That's and you reminded me of the throat right. spray thing. Yeah, the throat spray. Remember the throat spray? When... So I'm at the Ryman in Nashville. Did he say and... the my wifey? You no, know, he doesn't. Did yeah, he the, say my, that? My, yeah, it was wifey, wasn't it? It was. It was the wifey. It was uh, like, can this little rocket bring me my throat spray so everyone knows that I'm still with a little rocket? God lover, I believe that's Kim. No, Gordy. Mm. Well, I mean, we'll uh, we'll 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 honor him with uh, probably you know not uh, not yet, but uh, we will honor Gord continually as we have have in the past yes he's just actually our first i guess uh sadly deceased character yeah that so he will be honored for sure um yeah i mean we couldn't we couldn't not talk about him it's been so much uh, a source of joy for us like the score is a lightfoot tune as if produced by drake like that is, that's the pond that we fish in. And if you want to talk about Canadianity, I don't know that there's someone that embodies it more. No, for sure. And it's, and especially that he never left and he stayed here and just kind of represented 
the country and his even Aurelia, everything about him. The Mariposa stuff, you know, just always being there and supporting that community. Yeah. Massey Hall, just there's so many <laughs> things that he was like staunch about where, no, this is how it is. And um, this is my venue and this is where I play. And uh, there's something to be said for that, you know. But there's sure, a beautiful um, photograph of him backstage at Massey Hall. Have you seen it? Yeah. No, everything. Yeah. that They have... Uh, that's that they've done incredible work on that whole building. It's I haven't seen a show in there yet. Yeah, there's a picture of Gord. It says stage door, and you can see he's backstage, yeah. but you can see the room behind him. Uh, maybe we'll mm -hmm. use it as our thumbnail this week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's take a break, bud. Take a break. Guess what, bud? What's up, bud? I was in a car accident. What? Yeah. Like how bad? Not bad? Well, I'm here to tell the tale. What the hell? Yeah. So, oh. Roby Street in Truro is two lanes going each way. And you've been there. It's like uh, Boston Pizza and Canadian Tire on one side, McDonald's oh, yeah. Burger King on another side. Not enough traffic lights, a bunch of gas stations, a couple car washes, and it's busy. You, you got you to gotta call that area two lanes Latrec from now on. Yeah, it's two lanes Latrec going both ways. So yeah. here's what people will do. If I'm in the uh, inside lane, this is, this is what people do. They will stop and wave someone coming the other way across, right? You, yeah. you're, you're turning left into Burger King, no problem. I'm going to stop and let you go, which is fine if it's one lane each way. Yeah. But it's two lanes each way, and you're Yikes. counting on the person in the other lane to know what you're doing. As we've said, rules work when everyone follows the rules. When someone doesn't and goes rogue, they become meaningless. Yeah. Um, alas, that's not what happened in this case. In this case, it was rush hour traffic, uh, stop and go. Everyone's kind of inching along. And I could see this guy coming behind me. He's coming in hot. I uh, know... I have enough time to look ahead of me to see if I have room to get out of the way. I don't. So I just kind of brace for impact. I remember oh. from Young Drivers of Canada, if anyone hits you from behind, it doesn't matter the circumstances. They're following too close. Yeah. Uh, in this guy's case, he was going too fast given the traffic conditions, and he smoked me from behind. No. Um, but we pulled over into the Boston Pizza parking lot. And uh, uh, he had an F Trudeau sticker on the back windshield. No, no. 2010 no. Nissan Micra. This is like my, this is my nightmare right here. Well, this is the thing, Jeremy. It's a car accident, not a car purpose. And oh, man. this is where the guy uh, won me over. He said, um, I'm just trying to get too much done today. And I, I could see him coming in my rearview mirror. He wasn't looking at his phone or reaching for the radio or he he was watching. He was just simply going too fast and didn't expect me to stop in stop and go traffic. So uh, he owned it and ate it. And um, uh, he, he has finished his first year of mechanic school, his second year of heavy mechanic school. He's working as a delivery person for food. And just said, I, I'm trying to get too much done today. I'm really, really sorry. Which I also remember from Young Drivers of Canada. Even if you think it's your fault, you don't say, oh, sorry about that, man. Because that can come back on you if you admitted fault at the scene, apparently. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so, so that's sh- unfortunate. Shout out goes to the uh, um, Royal Canadian Mounted Police member who was actually off work, driving home from his shift, two cars ahead of us, heard it and turned around and came over and got everyone's information and uh, also approached the guy in a way that was very kind. Like, I know it's a lot, man. You know, these things happen. Don't sweat it. Everyone was very kind and controlled given the situation. So how much damage was there? Well, um, to our car, we just got it appraised. As a matter of fact, uh, it's uh, going to be over 10k. God. Um, so like a big back that just the whole the whole rear end basically. Well, it's that kind of thing where if you just glanced at it, you might not even see the damage, but the back bumper is uh, has a good dent in it right under so the yeah. license plate. So they have to switch that out. There's a scratch on the tail gate and or it's the like lift the quarter, cover the, the, the back quarter panels everything if there's mm-hmm. a ding they gotta go it's a domino effect yeah um but the the good reminder here is that your fortune can change in a split second and i uh i just want to remind the buds put your phone down while you're operating a motor vehicle it's i know it's hard i know it's tempting but man what a stupid thing to see people driving around looking at their laps yeah no kidding did you get the uh which but to be clear he was not in this case but um yeah. it's uh I mean, something it could, could have been lot. scary though like that's the scary like it's lucky no one no one was hurt and you yeah, could have got first yourself some some whiplashy exactly um but i did Yikes. not but you never know what's going to come uh come your way in a split second and change everything right yeah no well yeah glad that uh have you ever been in a thing in a thing like have you ever been hit by another motor vehicle never been hit by another car well no as a kid a couple times like that exact thing that you're taught like car coming in behind yeah but uh no just rolled a minivan no uh no no one else was involved fortunately yeah um did you ever like as a kid on your bike like car taking the corner too fast or any of that stuff a a bike oh all the time but have you ever as a kid yeah for sure (laughs) for sure i remember one time i i uh was riding down a hill in in cookstown and right at the bottom all of a sudden there was like a lineup of kids coming home from school and i like tried to do a, a stop because there was a, a a main road coming up and I didn't I had to slow down and when I tried to stop I it uh, this you know when you t- do a slide stop and I'm sure there was probably some element of trying to stop cool but I ended up going completely ass over tea kettle when I went sideways like you know, full end over bikes, tires flying through the air, like three, you know, complete 360 <laughs> flying, like just up all over. And then uh, as soon as I stopped, like all I could hear was like 10, 15 kids laughing their heads off. So <laughs> scrapes everywhere, head bang, like really bad Oof. tumble. But right in front of all the kids at school down the street. So I'm like, oh, man, why does it have to be like this? 
Worst tumble I ever took was playing basketball in eight foot nets when everyone could dunk in high school. Oh, no. Dunk the ball, balls falling to the earth. I start running uh, before my feet hit the ground. I run on oh. the ball and did a 180 and landed on my retina. Your eyeball. Yeah. Worst oh. uh, black eye I've ever seen in, in my life. <laughs> And it was like on my face. Your whole quarter panel of your head. It's a wonder more teenage boys don't do serious damage. Yeah. I remember running down no. the train tracks after some gin in uh, high school trying to get away from a train that was coming towards us. Like, step off the tracks, dude. Yeah. I remember being stupid and sliding down a piece of wood uh, like near my house as a kid. You know, there's like... The kind of like plywood they put for walls, like crappy house styles, you know, like those, the chipboard, big boards. So did you get a taint splinter? And I slid down the thing and it went right between my left foot, big toe and toe beside it, a nail. Like, right, yeah, like gash right into my foot at the bottom, like right at the end of the slide. Bare feet, like how stupid is that? And I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight. You know when you're back then, when you're a kid, seven, eight, you can go out walking around, looking around in a lumber pile, like just playing? Yeah. (laughs) I remember going over to the neighbor's house in my bare feet. There's still snow on the ground. And my friend's mom was like, what what are you doing? Like, what do you mean? It's summertime. No, it's not. It's April 3rd. I'm just saying, like, remember how young we were as kids going out and walking around by yourself, like, with no parents. Like, I couldn't believe how, like, being with my older brothers, even though I'm with them, I'm, like, five or four years old, and we're, like, in a a barn across the street letting letting air out of the, like, tractor tires. Like, thinking, like, that's funny. No one's paying attention. Yeah, and we're like, hey, look, if you push this in, the the air comes out of the tire. We're like babies hanging out in a a freaking barn, let out air out of all these big, huge machinery, and then go home, and then all of a sudden, the farmer guy comes banging on the door. Who the fuck did this? What the hell's going on? So like, what whatever, happened? An hour and a half. Well, they had to spend, I don't know what, what it cost, because everything went down to nothing, right? They had to bring in, like, probably some kind of, like, air, whatever. Because they're all stuck. I'm now sitting on the ground with flat tires, all these trucks, <laughs> all these, like, farm equipment. So stupid. But, yeah, four years old, let... Just remember how much free time we had? And, like, parents just like, what the hell are you doing watching, like, uh, Leonard Nimoy TV shows? <laughs> remember that show? And then at supper, your parents are like, what'd you do today? Nothing. Yeah. Remember In Search Of? Remember that show with Leonard Nimoy? No. It was like a science show. <laughs> My parents used to crush that on the weekends. Like, it was nothing. What was it? It was like Leonard Nimoy going through, like, you know, he would talk about the pyramids or what. It was like the original kind of conspiracies and and aliens and stuff like that. (laughs) How did that guy string a career together? 
I know. Well, I guess starting and the side that that's the tough thing about uh, Star Trek was like it was canceled, right? So a lot of people never like recovered from that, other than like William Shatner and a few others. Then they they just became. I guess they had that the whole Comic Con thing probably gave them all a rebirth, right? Anyone who was in one of those shows, because it was canceled after like three or something seasons. My my mom remembers uh, William Shatner at like Loblaws or something, handing out flyers after, like he was doing a campaign for Loblaws or something. What? And uh, he was like handing out flyers, like a you know the, the big cameo at the the uh, Rexdale Plaza. <laughs> Where did Loblaws get that kind of dough? Or it didn't take much. Well, I guess it wasn't the, uh, back then. It was just he was the face of the brand for whatever. Because the he was at that point still trying to get a break because Star Trek came and went and no one cared. Then it all of a sudden had the resurgence. Let's, and I guess with the movies, they started making money. But uh, I'm going to name a company <laughs> and you have to say... Yes or no, whether you would be their spokesperson if the offer came along. <laughs> what? Okay. I want to find out where your comfort level is. All right. TD Insurance. <laughs> what, what am I going to do? Talk like, about Hi, I'm Jeremy Taggart. You know, every year well, Canadians get in the thing. And- well, you know, why not if that guy from Oz, like the guy where it's like, okay, the scene here is like, this guy's going to shit in your mouth. And that's like the scene. Where the guy's doing the TV show and how crazy Oz was. And now he's like the State Farm or whatever guy, right? Yeah, he's killing it. So I would take that gig. Those guys get paid millions. Okay, Giant Tiger. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> Love the GT. You know what I mean? You didn't even hesitate. No, because it's all like, it's just all like junk and like everything from like cheap socks to. Beans, baked beans. <laughs> That's the commercial. <laughs> right. Hi, I'm Jeremy Tiger. Everything from cheap socks to jeans available no, at bean, Giant no. Tiger. Bean, beans, be- oh, beans, beans. Yeah, from beans to jeans. <laughs> Giant Tiger and everything in betweens and everything in betweens, dude. <laughs> Let's do it. From jeans to beans and everything in betweens. <laughs> Giant Tiger. Come get you some. Get you some of everything. Um, what about uh, like health-related uh, item like bird pills or uh, <laughs> like uh, anusol? Bird, bird pill anusol? Yeah, like would you well, do... I think they pronounce it anusol. Well, I would actually... Uh, that's an... Uh, and not nobody talks about how drummers and uh, hemorrhoids are like they go hand in hand. Really? Yeah. So would you because, do I mean, for a million dollars? Would you do a serious ad <laughs> that showed you behind the kit and wincing in pain and saying like you know? <laughs> well, that that like I would say you're not a successful drummer unless you've had hemorrhoids. That's what I would say. <laughs> wow. Because, like, you get hemorrhoids when you're only when from sitting on a stool for eight hours a day or ten hours a day for forever. Like, either you're playing or you're in the studio and you're putting pressure on that part of your body. 
and eventually it, it causes issues, you know? So yeah, there's like there, there's, you're either had to deal with it and it's not as much of an issue or you got, you have them and they come and go as depending on how hard, hard you're working. Crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and forgive me, uh, uh, you don't have to speak personally, but just in general, um, it, are there uh, a multiple ways to treat that, or there's just the one that everyone knows, preparation H? Yeah, well, it's 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 inflammation, right? So you try everything that does anti-inflammatory stuff to from hydration to to like you said, uh, uh, creams and stuff like that, just to, to ease inflammation. But, uh, yeah, like if it can be so bad, people have, will have to get surgery to get them removed and what? stuff. So that, yeah, it, it can be really bad. I didn't know that was an option. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's probably not a good option because, um, eventually it's just when you're, when that's the only place for your body to move and rest, because you're not sitting on the back of a drum seat. You're kind of sitting towards the edge of it, right? Oh, right. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, right. It's just, it's just constant in an issue. And they they built better drum seats, but it's just there's only so much can you can do because you're constantly sitting and being kind of ath, you know athletic in a sense where you're on the edge of your seat and your legs are moving so much that you're you have to be supported in that manner. So it's just impossible to, to, to defer weight. Crazy. Yeah. Um, you can probably hear uh, in the show, my father-in-law is rolling by on his John Deere Gator. There's uh, you can also, you could probably hear here people, the uh, masks finishing this well redoing the front steps that I had to get done. They're still there. The re finishing up because well, it takes a week or so of drying depending on what they're doing between gluing and because they had to redo the whole base the cement was falling apart so they had to redo the whole base to make it rock hard yeah and also had to defer some eaves trough an eaves trough to get com the complete you no know, just make sure there's no option of water sitting there <clears throat> So speaking of yeah. uh, water sitting there, would you do a Preparation H commercial that was like shows you in the oh, studio, yeah. shows you on stage? <laughs> really? <laughs> sure. Why? Yeah. Why not? It's like uh, people don't know, and it's an it, you know, I'm sure that's a big, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, musicians, and maybe I don't know truck drivers or people that are sitting with pressure because like, I don't know if truck do drivers. What are the ailments? I know what happens to singers, but what happens to, um, like I noticed uh, uh, Aaron, uh, no, uh, Morgan Wallen, big country guy mm. right now, had to uh, take six weeks off his tour because of vocal rest. And I know what happened. He's out after the shows yelling in bars and um, his voice yeah. is cooked. What happens to like bass players and guitar players? Uh shin splints for bands the guys that jump around like wow. you have the musicians that, that that's a thing for sure anyone that jumps up and down they always have shin splints really of course that makes perfect sense yeah and uh other than hearing issues like uh, blisters? shoulder shoulder blisters for sure shoulder 
uh, wrists, cramps. Everything. So you'll see like the te- the tensor bandage over on the uh, on the forearm, right? You know that one. Yup. There's all kinds of ones for sure. If I it's remember- like physical, but even if uh, it just depends. Like sometimes you can overdo it just working on something very simple. Yeah. And uh, you have to kind of just pace yourself and change things up in terms of where your grip or where you're holding things. I remember um, camera operators at CBC would always have like one eye is weak because they'd have one eye closed all the time and the other one looking in the viewfinder. Or news guys back in the day would have one bad shoulder from holding that big heavy camera up on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. Do they have the right, the right or left eye, or is it always got to deal with one side with hmm. the with the way they make those things? I think some guys had a, like a left shoulder mount, so they'd use their left eye. But I think standard setting is kind of right shoulder, right eye. Yeah. But like everything, cameras used to be so big and so heavy back in the day. Like holding up a beta cam. To do a live news yeah. report? Like, man. Now you can do it on your phone, Jeremy. You can. You can do all kinds of that stuff on your phone. So let me ask you this. What uh, ad campaign would you not do? Uh, like an NRA? Yep. Two million <laughs> you know, bucks. He wouldn't extol any, the virtues any, of... <laughs> Weaponry? Yeah, I don't know. Anything where I feel it's like uh, like Papa John's, you know, like where I feel Chick-fil-A, where I feel like if there's any issues where there, there's something where I feel I don't agree with. I mean, corporations is one thing, but just um, behavior is another thing. Who, who they're uh, funding and all that kind of stuff, right? Yep. So, yeah. Um, I, I feel that way about um, political like parties. Everybody, it's, it, it seems like it's you can't really say anybody's clean 100% anymore with with a lot of that stuff. But um, you definitely, if something does happen, it would definitely make my decision no, for sure, if, if, if there was anything fishy going on. Hmm. Have you done anything? I think you guys were pretty conscious about this stuff, but have you done any like corporate gigs or anything that you're like in hindsight i wish we hadn't done that no not at all like an accidental sort of endorsement of someone you found out was greasy no that i think we're i was uh, you know we were always lucky in that regard to work with good people and not work with i think um like i said uh uh the band back in the day was probably more um, I had more scrutiny to things than I do, <laughs> you know. Like stuff that you wish you'd done. Well, like, like you bon know, kind, kind, no, like kind of like the and not us, but like you. I remember bands are like, we're not playing until you take down this, you know, Budweiser flags. <laughs> right. Like I don't care about that stuff. Like it's got that stuff's gone so far that it's like, this, what's the point? I'm trying to, you know, say we're not playing until they take down these huge beer signs, you know. 
Who were the bands that were the most like that? I don't want to say because, like, that's a small, small community in this country. That's yeah, for sure. True. And it's like, I don't know. I've said stuff before, and it's coming back, and it's and it's like it's such a small world. It's like, man, I don't. I didn't mean like I hate your band just because I said this one thing that I thought was funny. You know what I mean? But that's how it kind of goes. If you say, well, this time that this, I was here and this guy was like this. And I, I remember I, like I, at this point, it's like, I feel like I know everybody. And I, I just know that it would, it's like when you say something, you think, oh, it's funny. And you and I laugh. But then if you look at the perspective of the other person or someone else, and it's like, kind of makes you go like, ah, ah. And the only reason is because, if you're in the room with them later and they lay mention, it's like, listen, man, I, I didn't mean it like that, but I was just you know, yanking your bird. Know. Yeah, most people don't don't you know can can kind of get over it, but I just don't feel like put myself in the position, especially when you're saying that kind of stuff, because everybody had their moments of being a pain in the ass, right? In the '90s. Well, it's not a fair question. Yeah. Um, uh, let's do a speed round super quick because it's uh, Friday and I have a lunch date with my wife. And, oh, uh, and it's the big long weekend. Rare right twist is a big long weekend in May. Um, the May two four and the the uh, Victoria Day long banger. Oilers are out, say. Leafs are out, bud. Yeah, that's you know, and that was another thing we we had an app in the in the gun, and it was all about we spent a lot of time talking about the playoffs. Yeah. And the hopes and dreams that have been completely dashed. Since dashed. And and uh it just made made us kind of mad to think we're floating this thing out there after the damage has been done. So We still had so much hope. Yeah, and I feel we covered everything and more in a much better sense this with this one anyway. So Here's what I would say. The uh Oilers squad should remain pretty much intact. I think it's a good team. But you think it should be like burn, baby, burn for the Leafs? Well, I I saw someone say rather eloquently, um, they asked for uh, the players, asked for some playoff experience. So they got them some playoff experience. They asked for a yeah. season D. They got them that. They asked for a good goaltender. Got them that. They asked for more grit. Got them that. But at a certain point... When does the, uh, you know, the old saying, every time you point a finger, there's three fingers pointing right back at you. Mm -hmm. At what point, I mean, I'm not covering any new turf, but um, the core four were not good enough, were they? Yeah, I would say that the, that's the thing. Like everybody wants to kill Dubas and and uh, Keefe and Shanahan thinking like this is the, this is, this is all not working, but really they did everything they could to give them that chance and that's what i'm saying the, and the guys on the ice failed to do that so i don't think you should be blaming the people upstairs i think they really gave them their best shot that they've had in a long time yeah it's and not they, kyle Lewis's fault that they i know to it. be true um okay good chatting bud i have a hot date with my wife well have a great weekend and uh everybody out there have enjoy that victoria weekend you too bud <laughs>